What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Posbon, and you are listening to part four of episode 23 of VGM Generations. And with me this time is Norm Garrett. I've summoned you here for a purpose. <laughs> and Jordan Walensky. Watch out behind you. And uh, in this series of episodes, we are talking about Sega. There you go. Is that better? <laughs> there you go. You got it. All right, good. Uh, yeah, so it's Sega month. Talking about all things Sega. And it's my turn to go first. And I am talking about the game Cool Spot, the, uh, which a game I think probably everybody knows about if they haven't played it at some point. If you know anything about uh, franchise, corporate, mascot characters. Exactly, yeah. You so own this game. This, is, this isn't like the same vein as the Yo Noid game. McKids. McKids game. Yeah, all those games that were developed. The Chester, Burger King game. Chester Cheeto had a couple. Chester Cheeto had Cheetah a, from Cheetos had his Yeah, own had game. a bunch of games. Yeah. So uh, Cool Spot also had a few games um, or Spot from the 7-Up had three games. So he had one on the NES or the, uh, what was the gen- the second one? Master System? Master System. Yeah, yeah, so there was a Master System, there was a Genesis one, and then there was one that came after that was like a sequel to this game. But Cool Spot was, did the best and was the most popular for sure. So uh, the track I'm playing is the Rave Dance tune, which is the bonus stage music, which is like one of the funkiest tracks <laughs> we've ever played on this game it's fantastic. already sounds like the best song of all time yeah uh this was developed and published by virgin virgin games uh back in 1993 uh and composed by the original cool dude of uh video game music tommy tallarico uh, yeah <laughs> so um it's kind of a uh spiritual uh predecessor to the earthworm gym series as it was also coded by david perry who's the same guy who did earthworm gym and um help pioneer the hide stuff everywhere kind of type of game where basically it's just one giant map and you're just kind of running around it looking for collectibles. Um, the main character also has a multi-directional firing, so you can fire in the eight, eight directions. Uh, the cool spot, I think he's just shooting out like bubbles. Yeah, I was going to say, what does he fire? Yeah, it's I think like he's just firing out like little, little carbonated, carbonated bubbles. Um, yeah, so the main point of the game is to uh, save yourself to go around and find other caged cool spots and like free them uh, and to collect all the cool points, as many cool points as you can. This is right in <laughs> like, the, uh, the toot era as well when everything was hip and cool and rad. It's so, it's like, it's such a prime example of that 1990s um, marketing oh, yeah. scheme yeah. where it's like, we need a anthropomorphic mascot. It's seven up. What the heck are we going to use? Hey, there's a spot in the logo. I guess we better use that. Yeah. Put, put on some shades some on them. Sunglasses yeah. and some cool <laughs> shoes and give them attitude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but that's like, that's part of the charm of this game, right? Is that it has all sure. that like nostalgia, that market, that nineties marketing totally. So, um, actually I learned something about that whole marketing time was so to get to the, um, to get to the bonus stage, you have to collect, you have to be at least 85% cool, which is to say you collect at least 85% of the cool, uh, <laughs> cool points as you're going around the level. And then you get to play the bonus stage. Uh, and the bonus stage, um, you, it's, it's basically like a regular level, but you're looking for letters kind of like in Donkey Kong, but the letters you're looking for are uncola, U N C O L A. And I'm like, what the heck is Uncola? Like, do you guys know this? I remember that, yeah. Okay, so because it was the Uncola, that's what they. You called remember it. that ad? Yeah, yeah. I don't see. I don't remember that ad. So yeah, basically they had a series of ads where they were saying like, Seven Up is 
uh, it doesn't have any dye in it. It's caffeine free. It's the uncola. It's like kind of the opposite, the alternative to to Coke or Pepsi or whatever. So. Yeah, and then I started watching a bunch of old like Seven Up ads last night. There's some weird ones, and like the way, like it was funny. It was like back in the day, the goal of advertising was basically to just make you want to buy the thing that everybody else liked, because it was like in the ads they'd be like, "In our recent study, we showed that the majority of consumers prefer Sprite to Seven Up," and it was just like it was like I, that doesn't make me want to buy it more. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if like Crystal Pepsi came like they're like oh crap uncola we just shot ourselves in the, in the foot, foot with pepsi. Totally. we better make pepsi without dye yeah so it's like the <laughs> uncola uncola the un uncola the un uncola yeah uncola cola uncola <laughs> i don't know who knows <laughs> anyway so you run around and try to spell uncola uh in a in a time limit so um yeah so let's listen to a rave dance soon from cool spot campaigns i think sprite kind of did it better though you mentioned sprite they had like grant hill drinks sprite and it's like hill drinks sprite (laughs) i remember that (laughs) 
Who's Grant Hill? Sorry. Basketball player. Basketball, from, okay. I was going to guess from the nineties, but they would do other athletes and celebrities. Like, um, I don't think Wayne Gretzky did one, but they would be like, Wayne Gretzky drinks Sprite. Wayne Gretzky drinks Sprite. And then all the kids drink Sprite because Wayne oh, okay. Gretzky did. So yeah. yeah, it would have been, it had been like the camera was like sitting on the ice and he'd spray the camera with like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it'd show him like putting back a bottle of Sprite. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, so the one, the one to go to continue on this tangent of the Sprite and seven up ads. So the seven up guy, the uncola guy was like this Jamaican guy. I think maybe he was an actor or something at the time. I don't know, but he was just this like cool guy who was like, had this really nice white suit and like this stylish white hat. And he would talk and he would be like, you should try seven up. It's more refreshing and it's the uncola or whatever. Um, and then when the Sprite, when the Sprite ad I saw was like, it was like, oh, we caught seven up like sleeping like they weren't they haven't been paying attention to what the consumer wants or whatever. And they just took a, a random black guy, put him in a white suit with a white hat and like had him sleeping on like a like a beach chair. And then like the tide comes in and like washes him out to see. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that was very direct. Like there's no they, they weren't subtle at all about what they were trying to imply here. So <laughs> it's pretty funny. So yeah, I guess back then attack ads were more okay. Yeah, there's a lot of attack ads. But yeah, we'll get into that more uh, in this episode. But anyway, um, so CoolSpot was actually developed first for the Genesis and then ported to other systems. So the Genesis is kind of the best way to play it because that's what it was developed for. Um, It was obviously uh, originally intended to promote the 7-Up soft drink. However, very oddly, after it was released in North America, it, it was released later to PAL territories. And in the PAL territories, they took all the Seven Up branding off. So, like, there's at the beginning of the game, Cool Spot is surfing on like a big Seven Up bottle, and they're uh, I think they're just playing like Miserloo or whatever, and he's surfing on the Seven Up bottle. And they took the Seven Up logo off the bottle. Was it not a Seven Up game anymore? It still was. Like, it still was Cool Spot, and you still collected Seven Ups like in the game and stuff. But they took out all the branding off the bottle, and like in the bonus stage, you're kind of like jumping around in a bottle of seven up like you can kind of see like you're in the bottle because like the logo is like faintly on the outside maybe there was like a legal reason with marketing and like it was almost like a or something commercial like that. that you're paying to play i don't maybe, know maybe yeah maybe europe had some sort of rules against advertising in games at that point or something like Who that knows, but yeah anyway so that was really odd um one of the other things I want to say, just because this is a video game music podcast, they cared so much about the music in this game that when they released it to the PAL ter- territories, as you know, like the 50, 60 hertz, right? They actually slowed down the game so that the music remained at the same pace. The music was more important. The to music them. was more important <laughs> than the game. <laughs> so if you play it, if you play the PAL version at, in North America on like a 60 hertz power supply, it, the music's all sped up. Yeah. So it's like one of Tallarico's conditions. It was probably, yeah, I'm In guessing that contract. was totally Tallarico. Yeah. yeah. Who was like, no, no, we have to make the music sound right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so like I said, it was developed first on the Genesis and then ported to other th- things. So when it hit the SNES, uh, the other thing that's a little weird is when they ported to the SNES, it was kind of a lazy port. So the native resolutions of the Genesis and the SNES are a little different. And the, um, Genesis is a little narrower, if you will. So when they ported it to the SNES, they didn't redo the graphics. So everything looks stretched at the top. But the one thing that the SNES has that the Genesis couldn't do at the time was uh, semi-transparent sprites, which because this game is so much about bubbles, um, 
that looks a lot better in the SNES version. Did they do the Super Mario World version of transparency where they just color in every odd pixel to make it look like it's clear? That's the thing is I th- that's what they did on the Genesis. It's basically the bubbles are just like striped lines. Yeah. Um, whereas on the SNES, they actually look transparent. So I think at this at this point, they had gotten to the point where they could do a semi-transparent spite, sprite in the cart. And the bubbles look way better cool. on the SNES version. So I'll say that. Like, I, I prefer the Genesis ver- version just but specifically the for the sound. The bubbles. But the SNES has the bubbles. I was going to guess they had vocal samples, but no. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, uh, just better bubbles. So, um, which in a, in a game about 7-Up is probably pretty important. I have a little side note. If, and if, ahead, yeah. if you're done your notes, um, how much do you know about the details on the Game Boy game, Spe- specifically the PAL version? Because I know it was ported. Um, the and there only, was a version for the uh, Game Gear as well. The only reason I know this is because I covered McKids a few months back and um, sort of in the same vein of that corporate mascot franchise video game thing. Um, I came across this information that the McKids version, or was it McDonald Land? One of the two uh, McDonald games was ported to the PAL Game Boy and they rebranded it from McDonald's to Cool Spot. Oh, so yeah, weird. So it's essentially a McDonald's game, but instead of the McKids being in the game, they replaced it with Sprite or the seven up character. I have no idea because it would be a totally different game. It wouldn't be. And if, and if you know of the, like the McKids game doesn't have shooting in it, does it? No. Yeah. So it would be a totally, yeah, it's just, it's just like a Mario three clone, but um, yeah. So if you are familiar with the cool spot, pal, European game boy game, it might be similar to McKids. I have yeah, any uh, European listeners. I know we have at least one European listener now. Yeah, from Scotland. So if you if you uh, <laughs> if you know the game, if you, you know the game, us. if you played the Cool Spot on the uh, on the Game Boy, yeah, right back yeah. in the nineties, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So that's it for me. So uh, Jordan, what do you have for us this week? I got Night Trap. Night Trap. Night Trap. Watch out behind you, Night <laughs> Trap. The best theme song. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say right now Straight because <laughs> that's the song I'm playing is the theme song to Night Trap. Fair enough. Um, developed by Digital Pictures in 1992, published by Sega. It came out originally on the Sega CD. Um, there were versions throughout its history that came out on the 32X, 3DO, MS-DOS, Microsoft OS, uh, Windows, and more recently, PS4 and Xbox One. Um, we, it's, this came out, uh, so for those, uh, that know FMV full motion video, this is one of the first games that came out to utilize that, to give people real life video on your video game console. That was the big thing with the CD, right? Was that we could do, we could finally do full motion graphics and it was like a huge revelation. And I guess CD quality audio as well, because now you can have video game characters talk to you or, you know, actual actors. You could play movie clips on the Sega CD. Yeah, essentially. So, yeah. So this was one of those first games. So let's talk about a bit of the story, because um, I think when most people think of Night Trap, they just picture a bunch of like girls at a slumber party running around a house. Yeah. So um, the story starts off with the, uh, this there's this military team called SCAT and they are called the Sega control attack team. <laughs> and you're part of this team. You find out that, that that's that, so, that's so <laughs> ridiculous that they called them the Sega control attack team on yeah. a Sega game. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's well, insane. the whole, the whole game is about breaking the fourth wall because they introduce the military team to everybody, but then they point to you. Yeah. The oh, person yeah. sitting on the couch yeah, yeah. and they're like, who's he? And they're like, 
he's on our team. That's the controller. He's here to blah, 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 blah. And you find out that you, <laughs> so, so the idea is that this team is going to infiltrate this house. The house belongs to this family called the Martins. And they've been, there's been a recent um, discovery of missing girls um, last seen at this house. And so they've, they've infiltrated the house and found out that the, t- the house itself that the Martins own is set up with traps and security cameras in every room. So the SCAT team has found a way to intercept and also get control over the cameras and the traps. And they've given control to you, the player. So as the team's trying to infiltrate the house and save everybody, you're also working with them to um, release the traps, switch through the cameras and like, you know, sort of like spy on everyone in the house. And so where the story sort of takes place is that um, a group of girls who are friends with the family, they've come over for a slumber party to spend the weekend in the house. And the, f- the Martins family, they are, I guess they're bad people because they, <laughs> they're, they're intentionally like kidnapping these girls. They, they um, invite them over. They have young, a young son and daughter, and they're sort of like all the kids within that same age range are coming over and they're getting kidnapped. And there's also this other group. They're like the, the, the baddies. They're called the augers. If you've ever seen night trap and you've seen these like guys in black suits, like kind of doing this really weird, like shuffle through the house. Those are the augers and they come in through the windows and through like the attic and through all these like secret entrances in the house. And they're the ones that are coming to like do the work for the Martins, like kidnap the girls, bring them into secret rooms. Essentially they're vampires. They have these like weird, like they look like big vacuum gun type things. They like, they're like the original Luigi's mansion. (laughs) Yeah. It kind of looks like, yeah, like a two handed weird contraption they hold. And then it puts like a collar around your neck and it like injects a needle that sucks your blood. So they're like these weird, they're essentially vampires because they suck your blood and they use it to like fuel themselves. But they wanted it to not be actual vampires because they said when developing the game, they didn't want anyone to feel like this was taking itself too seriously. They wanted it to be fun. And I think that's very obvious, not just because of how dated the game is, it's very campy. And I think they knew that from the start. Yeah, camp is the best way to describe this game. Yeah. I, I'm just curious, the augers, how, how is it spelled? Is it A-U-G-U-R or A-U-G-E-R? Or I think that's else? how, yeah, A-U-G-E-R. So I like think. the tool auger. I think so, like, yeah. Like drilling a hole. I guess it that's makes sense. Yeah, yeah. deal with scat that way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I learned when they were sort of designing the augers, the characters, they actually used like garbage bags to as the costumes. And that was partly why they walked so, so silly funny. and goofy because they didn't want to rip the costume. <laughs> <laughs> garbage bag. That's a big investment. Yeah. Yeah. This game was, this is a weird game all around. It's very nineties. Sure. Like all the girls have like the, the white short shorts and the side ponytails and they're all just like, you know, straight out of say by the bell or something like yeah. that. So, um, You've the way the controls work is you sort of flip through the different cameras in the house. And if you see augers creeping through the house, you can set a trap and they'll fall into it and they'll be, they'll be captured essentially. It's like home alone. Like with like, there might be um, a floor that falls out or like a bookshelf that'll rotate or a spring will come out and knock the guy out the window. Like it's goofy stuff like that. And there's a meter that tells you how many have entered the house. 
So if you see the numbers increasing, you have to switch through your cameras. Oh crap, what room is the guy in? There must be more guys coming in that I'm not seeing. And then you might like switch to a camera and see the guy's foot leaving camera and you're like, crap, he got in, he's in another room and you got to try and catch him before it's too late. Cause if you get too many augers in the house, then you'll get a call from scat and they'll yell, yell out your ear and just say, you know, you've let too many get in and it's, you're doing a horrible job, mission fail. And then it's game over. So try and capture as many augers as you can and, uh, and save the day. Yeah. The other neat thing is that to act to, access the traps they give you a color code so when you start the game it's blue and you essentially um, hit the button to set the trap if you're set on blue but then throughout the storyline that's the other thing you're not just watching the augers you need to watch the family because if you go into a room where the martins are talking and they're alone they might say hey honey i think somebody's been messing with the traps reset the code change it from blue to red and that's when oh, you need okay. to realize, oh, okay, now I switched to red, but here's where I made my mistake. I, <laughs> I, I did that. I set my controller to red and the traps weren't working. What they actually say is go down to the basement and set the code to red. You need to follow them into the basement oh. and wait until you see them hit the switch. Oh. Then you can. So you're always watching all the rooms at all the, all the time. Just kind of like uh, the new game Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, not new, but mm. Five Nights at Freddy's, yeah. right? Like it's just, it's about like switching cameras yeah. and trying to catch stuff. And paying attention to the story because if you're not, if you're just watching and looking for augers, uh, you, you'll fail. It won't work out. Yeah. So you, did you buy the, the re-release? Yeah. Okay. That's where I played it primarily because okay. you can play the original version and you can play the modern version as well. The modern version that just came out on PS4, uh, I think it's on steam as well. I don't know. I could be wrong or maybe it's on PC. Um, on PC, I think it's a point and click. Uh, so on the PS4, the one that I played, the coolest thing, I didn't even know until like I was halfway through playing because uh, I put down the controller for a minute. And anyone that knows the PS4 knows it has that little light on top yeah, that, that cha- light sometimes bar. changes color. I put the controller down on the table and my controller was glowing green. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I've, I've seen yellow and blue before, but I've never seen green. And then I started playing and realized I was set to code green. And I was like, wait a minute. And I started flipping through all the codes, purple, orange, green, blue, yellow, and my controller was changing with it. And I was like, that's the coolest thing. (laughs) That's some good integration. Maybe maybe that's not a huge thing, but to me, it was a huge thing. So music was composed by, um, I, I'm guessing it was the, the sound studio involved, sunny blue skies. That was their name and Martin Lund. And those are the only ones listed. There's not a lot of information on the music. Even the, even the song that I'm going to play you, there wasn't a lot of details. Couldn't even find out who the singer was of the song. But essentially, um, the, so- the song doesn't play at the beginning of the game. It actually plays at a moment in the story. And for me, this is the best part of the whole story. So the, the moment where all the girls are finally alone in the, the Martins, the family parents have left, quote unquote, left the house. Um, the girls think they're alone. They're like, what do you want to do? Well, what do you, what do you expect to do when your parents leave the house? Let's have a party. Pillow fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pillow fight. <laughs> that was coming up next. So they, they want to have a party. So the first thing they do is they go over to the radio and they turn it on and the song starts playing. So the one girl, obviously the fun girl, that's, you know, the most um, laid back, she starts like 
karaoke singing the song, the Night Trap theme song. And she like looks at the camera like she's totally breaking the fourth wall singing to somebody. She picks up a tennis racket. She starts playing guitar with it. And then she uses it as a microphone the whole time just singing the song Night Trap. And it's funny because she's singing karaoke style because the song has lyrics. But you can like hear her shuffling around and walking so you can hear like the people moving but like there's no there's no voice she's not actually singing so it's a bit bit silly and awkward and then at the end they all just all the girls get in a big group and they all start singing night trap like in a big group there's like six of them (laughs) (laughs) totally off key and everything so best moment for me in the game so let's hear that song that they just sang uh the night trap theme song kind of like not only is this like sega month but it's like relive the 90s month <laughs> yeah <laughs> well sega i think was at its strongest when they were a part of that world yeah right? well the genesis is their you know undisputed strongest time yeah of, of for sega ever so i mean some people would say the genesis some would say the dreamcast but all of that i is, think sales wise though the, yeah genesis pretty but all of that is part of the 90s yeah. like the, the dreamcast came out in the late 90s but Genesis was king in the 90s. 
So I talked a lot more about the game than I intended to, because I had a little bit to say about the, uh, the impact it had on the video game industry. So maybe I'll try and keep this a little shorter. Uh, but anybody that has ever bought a video game in the last 25 years, I would say, um, because of night trap and one other, well, two other games, mortal Kombat being the other one. And, um, what was the other one? Um, justice enforcer. Is that what it is? The one that had the, uh, the Sega justifier gun. Yeah, it was, those were kind of the games most talked about, but they were, um, part of what spawned the ESRB, the, uh, what is ESRB? The entertainment ratings. Hold on. I have it written down. Um, the entertainment software ratings board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because before this video games were expected to self-regulate to a certain extent. Yeah. And I get when games like night trap and mortal Kombat first hit the market, parents started to wise up and were like, okay, so my son or daughter can just walk into a store and buy this and they're, they'll get it. And yeah. And so that's when the video game industry had a huge turn and that's when they came out with the ESRB. So, um, yeah, it was a, a huge moment. And I think a lot of it had to do with Sega. Unfortunately, Sega got dumped on a lot, but I mean, it, not unrightfully so. Like, I think, I think not that the ESRB is a bad thing. Cause I think it's probably a good thing, but yeah. I, so to just quickly s- summarize it, like before, before Sega had come out and like the Genesis really started making its push, Nintendo was just one of those companies that like they were self-regulating and that like they were the biggest by far, you know, the NES had a huge impact and then the SNES after. They put their seal of quality on yeah, to assure that, that it and, met their standard. Yeah. And, and Nintendo of Japan was kind of like this, we realized that this is for kids. And so they would never, they would never like think of putting out something that was very adult. Right. And so, and, and at then, the time Mortal Kombat was out and they actually had toned down the violence in their version too. Yeah. So what happened there was Mortal Kombat had been developed and they took it to the trade show. Nintendo and Sega both saw it. Sega was like, we're definitely getting that. And then Nintendo kind of had to like do the thing where they were like, I don't know if we want this, but like, we can't not have it because it's too big. It's going to be a big deal. Yeah. And so we'll take it, but we'll tone down, you know, it's sweat, not blood or whatever. Uh, The gray goo versus red. Some really bad fatalities that don't make any sense. Yeah. So, um, so then this was all happening and a certain governor uh, in the States, Joe Lieberman, Joe Lieberman decided that this is not okay for kids to be playing these adult games like Night Trap, like Mortal Kombat yeah. and said, you know, if the, if the video game companies aren't going to regulate themselves, we're going to regulate them for, we're going to regulate them. for them. We're yeah. going to enforce rules for them. And so there were a bunch of hearings in Washington and Nintendo and, and Sega both had to send people. And this was the point where, uh, Nintendo kind of threw Sega under the bus. And what happened was Sega had been running all these attack ads for years and saying, you know, like we talked about last week, the whole, you know, Sega does what Nintendo and Nintendo, especially in Japan would never punch back. Like they, you know, they said, you know, let's make an ad, let's show them, let's tell people about what is not good about their console and stuff like that. And they, and the guys in Japan, the head of, of um, Nintendo in Japan said, no, we'll just, rely on our quality and on, and on our legacy and on our seal of quality and stuff. And people will recognize that they will recognize that our games are better and they will buy them because of that. And, but 
Sega, like their whole attitude and stuff was starting to gain ground. Their whole like we're the we're the edgy generation and stuff like that. It was starting to gain ground when all of this ESRB stuff or all this rating stuff was coming to a head. And when they got into the trials and, and Nintendo stood up to say their piece, they were kind of like, hey, we're the good guys here. Like, look at our record. We've never put out bad stuff. And when we do put out even questionable stuff, you know, we tone down the violence. We tone down yeah. this. It's it's them. It's all on them. And so and the Sega guys in, were like aghast because they were because before that it was kind of like, oh, no, we have to band together like this could be bad for all of us. Yeah, let's band together. Let's, you know, make a stand, say, you know, no you know, this is a few things it's, and we will, you know, we'll come up with something. We don't, we don't need you guys to come in here and like, you know, bring the hammer down. We'll come up with something. We'll sort it out. Yeah. Kind of thing. Well, and then Nintendo just threw Sega under the bus. In, uh. <laughs> in Sega's defense, they had a rating system already in place, but yeah. it wasn't as good as it is. And today. it wasn't universal. Yeah. And, it, and it, and it wasn't, um, like not every company had accepted it. So like Nintendo, even though Sega had developed it, it yeah. wasn't on there. It wasn't on Nintendo games or anything like that. Yeah. And I think at the time that the rating that night trap had was still questionable. Uh, when the ESRB was finally approved, um, I think night trap was given, um, what was it? The, one of the higher ratings, like 17 or something. Yeah. And it's funny because now the re-release that came out is like 13 because yeah. times have changed. <laughs> times have changed. <laughs> but at that time, right, it was it was considered very adult and yeah. stuff. And especially because like the girls were kind of, you know, more in their pajamas clad yeah. and, stuff like and that. a bunch and of so. guys come in and like kidnap them. Yeah, and it and sent so, the wrong message because I think one of the one of the things that like a senator or somebody in the courtroom was saying was, how would you like your your 15 year old son to just finish playing this game and then he goes out the door to have a date with your daughter. Like, how would you feel? Yeah. And it was like, it was that crazy, was the right? kind of stuff they were throwing around the yeah. room at the time. And so, and it was actually, so the whole ESRB was, like you said, Sega had already started to develop a rating system and that kind of saved them in the court was that they were like, you don't know, no, we are already working towards this and, you know, we'll come together as an industry and sort this out. And so, but after Nintendo had thrown Sega under the bus, you know, they weren't the best of friends <laughs> at that point. And so, there were a lot of tensions, but basically they cooler heads prevailed and they realized that like for the everyone's benefit, they had to come together and develop something. And that's when they formed the ESRB. So I, uh, I came across an interesting uh, interview or making of, of night trap. And one of one woman commented saying she was a news reporter at the time and she needed to get footage of night trap for her story. So before she could even contact Sega to get the footage, Nintendo was like, here you go. Yeah. They literally gave her the footage yeah, for they their already competitor had because it. they had it ready to go. They were like anything to bury Sega. Yeah. Horrible. And I think, I think actually even in the court, they may have shown Nintendo may have shown a reel of like Sega games. Yeah. So they showed like Mortal Kombat, they showed Night Trap and stuff yeah. just to be like, it's not us. It's them. It's them. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. totally point the finger and stuff Just like that. Taking so. the moral high ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a weird time back then. And, and, you know, it was a lot about tensions and sales and profits and like trying to build up the companies and stuff. And it was just at this breaking point where, where Nintendo, they thought that they saw an opportunity to bury Sega. Yeah. They were like, you know what? Maybe we can't punch back in our advertising and stuff, but maybe the courts will deal with them for us kind it, of thing. It needed to happen. It needed to be an ESRB, but I feel like it was almost a scenario of like the video game industry versus everyone else. Yeah. And Nintendo sided with everyone else. So in a way, I kind of feel like Nintendo was a little bit shady in this yeah, whole that, situation. It, it was like kind of a low spot for Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> but I think they were just looking out for themselves. Yeah. And that's definitely what it was, but. 
Yeah, yeah it's an interesting story no matter what. Yeah. yeah. Go read Console Wars. This is all from the book. Go read it. It's an awesome book. It's it's a it's like and it's super well written. It's like very like every at the end of every chapter, you're like, oh my God, I gotta read another chapter. So great, <laughs> great book. All right. So uh you good? Is that I'm done? All? I'm all done, right. yeah. So uh Norm, what do you have for us this week? Well, boys, the only attack ads I'm going to be talking about is the increased attack power you get from equipping a better sword in Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Oh, that was fantastic. Um, awesome. Yeah. So this is one of those games that I've wanted to play for a very, very long time. One thing, not having uh, Sega systems growing up and much exposure at all to Sega games is... I did read gaming magazines, and one thing I always noticed is that Sega games were incredibly vi- vibrant and had very attractive uh, just art style in their games. So I've got a ton of nostalgia for Sega Genesis games that I never played, just from looking at them and wanting to play them yeah. in magazines. One of them was always the Wonder Boy series. Um, what is the secret to his power? <laughs> is, that, is that the song or something? No. Okay. Tenacious D. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so the original Wonder Boy um, uh, arcade game and for the Sega Master System, I believe, uh, it was also came out on the NES as Adventure Island. Uh, the reason being that uh, Sega owned all the properties to the Wonder Boy franchise, but uh, I think Hudson wanted to to take it to other platforms just because it was a fairly successful platformer. I won't get into the history of that because what I'm talking about is one that's later on in the series. Um, the original Wonder Boy was just an action platformer. Um, but Wonder Boy in Monster Land, sorry, Wonder Boy in Monster World is, uh, it was actually for Master System and Genesis. The version I recently played was for Genesis. Uh, it's more of a side-scrolling almost RPG. Uh, it's got kind of Metroidvania elements. So Sonic was kind of Sega's version of Mario, I guess, analogous-wise. You know, uh, This was kind of their... It's actually a lot like Zelda 2, if you guys have ever played Zelda 2, which is uh, a big, big favorite of mine. So uh, having, having finally been able to play it more recently for this podcast specifically, um, I'm really impressed with the game and uh like i uh i guess uh yeah wanting to play it back then it uh it wasn't just founded on graphics alone so anyway i I really like this game this is kind of if i i think if i had played sega back in the day this would have been my series um so anyway i'm i'm kind of gushing over this game but uh yeah just really vibrant graphics attractive game uh and you're just you're this wonder boy guy with a sword, side-scrolling action, and you can get you can get like a spear and different weapons. And I've always liked games with RPG elements like that. So lots of monsters, lots of monsters, because yeah, you're in Monster World. Is uh, it like uh, Evil Monster King steals princess kind of story? Or I haven't finished it yet, so I'm not Ganondorf? quite. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, I'll get to that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Let's get into the music uh, first. I got a couple other points after, but the composer was uh, Shinichi Sakamoto. Uh, and the track I chose was from one of the first villages. The track is just called Village One. Um, and it's got, it's it's the village before you save it. So it's it's kind of like a, it's a subdued almost, um, it's a pleasant melody, but you can tell there's something not quite right in the village. Uh, uh, 
something I didn't realize going into the village because the monsters, the monsters having really vibrant, attractive graphics, the monsters are all pretty cute. So it's hard to tell which are friends and which are enemies. You go into this village and there's all these happy mushrooms walking around. You're like, oh, okay, it's a mushroom village. And you try and interact with them and, and they... Then you take Attacking. damage and you're like, oh, <laughs> it's that kind of village. All right. So let's have a listen to Village One from Wonder Boy in Monster World. for you but i'm sure mm. you would probably it's probably in your notes already there's a new game that just came out is there not you're probably thinking of so yeah that's that's one thing i was going to get into I could, and we could talk about that now so you're probably thinking of uh dragon's trap i think which was wonder boy 3 okay um this is like i think it's the numbering system was really weird like wonder boy 3 the dragon's trap was a sequel to Wonder Boy 2. Um, and then this was a sequel. I, I don't have the hierarchy written down, okay. but there's Wonder Boy, mm-hmm. there's Wonder Boy in Monster World, there's Wonder Boy in Monster Sorry, let me take it from the top. There's Wonder Boy. Yeah. There's Wonder Boy 2, Wonder Boy in Monster Land. Okay. Then there's Wonder Boy 3, The Dragon's Trap. And then this is Wonder Boy 4, Wonder Boy in Monster World. And then it goes, or it's like, and then it's Monster World 3 and Monster World 4. Oh, Monster weird. World 4 is the last one. So um, they just totally messed up the, like, yeah, it's like Final it's, Fantasy where it's I, all I, screwed up. I could have written it down, and, and That's okay. but yeah. Because I was pretty sure it was this game that they just released physical copies of it. That yeah, I just looked looked it up. It's So it's Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap, which is a remake of Wonder Boy 3 the Dragon's Trap. Okay. And that's the one that just came out. So it's, yeah. just, it's a remake. And, okay. and this is came after that game. Okay. Um, yeah, and so oh, in 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 the sequence, this is actually a sequel to the Dragon's I Trap. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So Dragon's Trap, I don't think it came out for the Genesis. I think it was just arcade and Master System, and then uh, this came out for Master System and Genesis. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's a good looking game though. This Dragon's Trap, I really like. I like. I really like the like anime art. Yeah, style. I was looking at the remakes, and that 
that Dragon's Trap remake, the graphics look really, really good. And I think I like just added it to my Steam wish list. Okay, so, so I'm the excited. next Steam sale. <laughs> so that, and then they're also, there's currently in progress for release this year, a spiritual successor to this game uh, called Monster Boy. Okay. So, oh, nice. And it ticks all the boxes and it's like on my radar. Like I said, this would have been my series if I had played it back in the day. So uh, there's a, Actually, in this game, right off the bat, kind of in that first village, there's a couple interesting mechanics that uh, this game introduces that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. So, first of all, you um, uh, you talk to this to this fairy, and she's like, "Oh, I lost my instrument, and you got to go find this instrument." And when you get it, it's like this. I don't know what you call it. It's kind of like a lemon shaped wind instrument and it's got like a mouthpiece and you blow into it and it goes like or something. I don't know what it's called. Right Sounds now. like an ocarina. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Okay. An ocarina. <laughs> so I've never played a game with an ocarina in it before, but the really cool mechanic with this ocarina is you have to open various doors and all the different doors open based on different melodies. And one of the fairies teaches you these melodies and the way you play them is by pressing various button sequences so yeah i've never played a game yeah. that has those yeah, that's, what that's an interesting, interesting. mechanic so this, yeah <laughs> this game from 1991 oh <laughs> so, interesting pretty pretty good and there's one other weird mechanic in this game is you go up to this area and there's like this queen with these diaphanous wings and she lets you she gives you one of these little uh little companions that follows you around and harasses the enemies. It's like a fairy or something that follows you around. So I don't know, really, oh, wow. really cool mechanics. That, that, yeah. Totally unique and original. So yeah, it's been, uh, Ocarina of Time has actually been accused of ripping it off and there's various debates you can find of people saying it's not a ripoff, it is a ripoff. I, I can't say it wasn't inspired, just like It's just at, too, too yeah. close. Yeah. Now I will say you can tell that Wonder Boy the the RPG versions where it's not just a platformer. I'm pretty sure they were probably inspired by Zelda as well. So it's just that kind of circular. Yeah. yeah. So helping mm. each other out kind of thing. I like to prefer, I prefer to think of it that way. So. Yeah. Not yeah. stealing from each other. Helping <laughs> but man, each other I, I totally didn't expect that ocarina. I was like, okay, there's an ocarina. Lots of Japanese games seem to have ocarinas. And then she's like, oh, play this melody. <laughs> A-C-C-B-A-C-B. Oh, that's cool wow we played the song time and then the fairy comes <laughs> yeah, and I'm exactly like, it's the exact same melody yeah yeah but, uh, yeah awesome. no really good game and i'm i don't know maybe 20 percent, 25 percent through it um, okay probably gonna go play it today yeah so. sounds like a good one so yeah this remake looks totally awesome too so if you're if you're into uh all the stuff norm's talking about um it just came out last year um the wonder boy uh dragon's trap remake so and uh i guess what it is is it's like a they took the code from the master system game and yeah. totally like rebuilt it from the code up. Yeah. So I saw that and great like, remake. your old passwords will even work. So if you have like this old decay oh, really? notebook with your <laughs> written down passwords from yeah. 1989, they'll still work in this new version. And it's literally on everything like PS4, Xbox One, Linux, Mac, uh, Switch. It's you can play it anywhere. So if you got any modern console or uh, laptop or PC, you can play it. So and that actually I just want to also mention Monster World 4 which is, so this I think was Wonder Boy 4. Yeah. Monster World 4 is later on. Um, and it's got a, it's, um, it's got a female protagonist and almost an Arabian Nights theme, but it was not released in North America. It was only for the Mega Drive um, 
Was it Europe? Mega Drive in Japan? What was it called in Japan? I actually don't know. I think it was, yeah, yeah I think it was also mm. Mega Drive. Yeah. 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 So it only came out in Japan and uh, it was translated, I think, for the virtual console for Wii. Uh, so. Um, oh, and a note on that, actually. The other, um, thank you for reminding me, we, the other week we were talking about, oh, maybe you can go and play this game on the Wii Virtual Shop. And I said it was closed. It's not closed yet. The Wii Virtual Shop is open until 2019. So mm. some of these games that if you want to play them, they closed almost every other service, like the weather service, the... the You're talking Wii, right? Not I'm talking Wii, Wii. Wii. yeah. Mm. I, looked it, I looked it up the other day and I was like, oh, this is actually still something you can do. You All can go to the virtual console. Everything else is closed. Uh, yeah, you can't play online anymore. You can't play online. You yeah. can't do any of that stuff. Uh, but if you want to play virtual console games, if they're closing it down July, 2019. So if you want to give Nintendo money, they'll let you. They will let you. <laughs> yeah. And if you have old like Wii shop points, not yeah. eShop, but Wii shop, uh, you can still use them. Mm. So yeah. Cool. So yeah, right there you on. go. So if you want to go play these games on the virtual console, they're still available. So I felt bad because I was like, oh man, somebody probably has a Wii and I was sad that they can't play this game, but it's like, it's still out there. So yeah. Is that all you have for, uh, yeah, that, Boy. that's about it. I mentioned kind of Adventure Island was a spinoff and there are kind of vestiges of stuff I recognize from Adventure Island, like some of the way the enemies look, the, the, the sprite style and a few of the soundtracks or sound effects kind of bled through. But um, other, so there's, there's a bit of familiarity that's kind of nice. But other than that, I hadn't really ever played the game. So cool. Well, yeah, sounds like a good, good series. Another great Genesis series. But yeah, I, that's that's hilarious about the Ocarina stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. All right. So uh, that's it for our picks this week. And because it is episode four, uh, that means it's time for the game. So uh, last night, I was thinking, uh, thinking up the game and uh, what we were going to do for it. And I told these two boys to go and play Sonic 2 just to refresh their memory. I've already wrote down all my answers. Sonic, all right, Sonic 2 for everything. <laughs> so... Um, this is one of the ones where we are going to do sound effects. Name that sound effect. Uh, so all the sound effects are from the Sonic series. I've specifically pulled the Sonic 2 series, but the sound effects are broadly similar across the three games. So, so if, if you've played if, any of them... If you, I played Brawl, Super Smash Brawl, there, I'll probably uh, yes, know. Yes, actually, yeah. there are a bunch of, a bunch of uh, Sonic sound effects in Brawl. So I've got five different sound effects from Sonic 2, uh, and you're going to hear each one twice in the playthrough because they're like less than a second. So it'll be like, like boing, boing, and then boom. Very boom. quick, yeah. Okay. So it's two, then the next one, two, then the next one. So, yeah. So that's how it plays out. Let's get your guys, get it open for your first playthrough. All right, you guys ready to go? Mm -hmm. All right, here's your first listen to of five different sound effects, each played twice. So that's the first listen through. Um, I'll say that the first three you should know because <laughs> you just hear them constantly. I got them all. Uh, you already got them? Yeah. All right. Do you and, want another listen through? And they're through? all wrong too. <laughs> they're all wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get any more. If, through well, uh, let's, do, let's do one more. For our listeners. For our listeners, all yeah. Right. If you're playing along at home.
All right. So yeah, just as, as I'll give you a hint because I know this one's tough. So the first three here all the time. The fourth one you should hear. I don't ideally every level. I skip it. And then the fifth one, <laughs> the fifth one is the best sound in the game. The most, I don't know, the most relieving sound in the game, let's say. Yeah. All right. All right. So yeah, those, those are quick listeners because it's a very quick little thing. Um, all right. So let's go through. Um, all right. Jordan, you want to go first? So the first sound. Jump. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Norm, do you have the same? Jump. Jump. Okay. <laughs> the second one, uh, Norm, what'd you have? Uh, turn around slash stop. What'd you have? I had the stop skid. Yeah. So skid, turn around, stop. Yeah. The, the, there's no like official name for it. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll give you guys both that one. Uh, the third one, Jordan. The spin charge up sound. Yeah. I put ball up. Yes. You press, yes. You press down while you're moving. Yeah. Same thing. You're the spin sound. Uh, the fourth. The checkpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I put the checkpoint gate. Yeah. It's technically called the lamp post. Lamp post. Because it's, it's a little, that, the ball that spins on top. Yeah. All right. And the fifth one. Norm? Uh, the most relieving sound in the game. Is turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was our choking. <laughs> I don't know. You don't know? Um, I put the underwater sound, but I didn't specify what kind. I just knew it was from being underwater. Oh, that's, I don't know. You're, you're not wrong, but. <clears throat> it's I, when you come out of the water. Like when you, I'm, I'm making this up because you said it's the most relieving sound. Yeah. It's when you're running out of air and you hit the surface, right? Or when you get air. It's when you get air. So it's, air. it's the bubble. Yeah. It's when you get the bubble. So mm. you're I, closer than in my no guess at all. So I'll give it to you. In my mind, I was thinking it was the sound right when you're about to, you know, when the song starts, when you're running bup, out bup, of bup, air. Bup, 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 yeah. That's bup, what bup, I thought yeah. it was right before that moment. I knew it was underwater, but yeah. I mean. <laughs> Half point or no half point. point? I'll give you a half point for it. Okay. So yeah, we'll call Jordan the winner on that one. I, I call foul. <laughs> you said play the first two levels. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had played Chemical Plant Zone, yeah, you can go underwater in Chemical Plant Zone. Isn't that level three? Nope, that's oh. level two. That's world two. World two. Okay, sorry. World two. <laughs> no, that's okay. Wow. That's okay. Yeah. I think Norm anyway, got cheated on that. He one. said he played Chemical Plants <laughs> before before we started I this game. Though the music because it's so good. Yeah, the music is phenomenal. <laughs> so, but um, yeah. So that's the sound where you where you uh, get the bubble, and everyone knows like that is like the most to me still the most stressful thing in gaming is that like that when you're when it starts playing that music like you're running out of air yeah. and then you get that bubble and it's like and then it just goes back to the regular thing and so, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so we'll call jordan the winner for that game by half a point by a by a hair now you got a whole point for that yeah so uh yeah so that's the game for this week that was a quick one because really short samples really short sound samples so yeah if you played along at home let us know if you got uh, a full five points with your eyes closed then you can take the title away from me. I'll, I'll mail yeah. it to you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll mail you a paper belt. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's it for, uh, that's it for so Sega month. So I can want to say Sonic month because Sonic, Sonic and Sega are interchangeable to me. But um, do you want to tease next month or do you not know yet? Um, still, still deciding. We're still deciding Kay. on that one. I think I know what it's going to be, but uh, it's a, uh, I will say though that uh, next month will probably be a listener suggestion month. So uh, like we talk about this perfectly segues into the contest. Uh, so 
Yeah, we have the contest as always. Pyre Celeste and Sonic Mania are your three games. One of the best giveaways we've ever done, in my opinion. Um, and uh, to win that giveaway, you interact with us on social media or leave us a review on iTunes or send us an email at the email address vgmgenerations at gmail.com. Uh, or, and or write our address down on a piece of paper and mail it to your grandma because <laughs> grandma got to listen. Grandma got to listen. That's right. If you share it with your grandma and you tell us that you did on we'll, Twitter, <laughs> we'll believe you. We'll believe you. <laughs> Just make sure you do the right thing and choose pyre. Hashtag choose pyre. There you go. <laughs> Norm's already <laughs> started his favorite. Um, but yeah, um, one of our new listeners uh, wrote us in with a suggestion for a topic. So I think that's the one we'll do next month. I haven't, I don't want to officially announce it yet because I haven't discussed it with everyone, but I'm pretty sure that's what we're going to do. And uh, so he gets an entry into the contest, of course. Um, but yeah, uh, if you want to win hashtag choose Pyre, Celeste or Sonic Mania, <laughs> please uh, hop on Google, type in VGM Generations and interact with us in any way, shape or form. Uh, yeah, so that is it for Sega month. It was uh, one of my favorite Sega's super near and dear to my heart. Um, we hope you guys liked it just as much and we will catch you guys next month. <laughs>